I'm John. I'm Paul. I'm George. And I play the drums. From Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette. And Chachi's co-host, Beatles instructor at Suffolk University, David Gowan. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Pod617.com. As the gentleman said, my name is Chachi LaPrette. I host a Beatles show in Boston for, gee, over 20 years called Breakfast with the Beatles. And this is also Get Back to the Beatles, our Beatles podcast. Okay, gentlemen, we've done three sides so far. I'm here with Tom Kelly, Beatle expert, Professor David Gallant from Suffolk University's Beatle class, David Y. David Yaz, our spiritual leader, gives himself the applause because he's in charge of the controls. And now we begin side four and the descent to the ending of this four-sided monster called the White Album. I absolutely love the opening track of this one. I like it more than the 45 version that rocked the radio airwaves back then. Absolutely love it. Here it is, including the false start. I take two. Okay. So cool, laid back, John Lennon just doing his thing, revolution. And if you go carrying pictures of David Gallant. <laughs> You'll never make it with anyone anyhow, there right, Chachi? Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, you know, I mean, laid back. Isn't this the take or several takes where he's actually lying down on the floor? On the floor. To get the laid back feeling where, where revolution is actually a slow, sexy drag, right? A slow drag, as we used to say on the dance floor as opposed to something loud and militant in the streets. Uh, so much involved with this song regarding what you just mentioned, the single and and what people heard first, what Lennon meant first, what Lennon meant second, what people heard second. There's so much wrapped up in it. It's a, well, dare I say, it's a lecture in and of itself. The Revolution 1 versus the Revolution single, when it came out and how people were taking to the streets and what they were hearing and how the left really vilified Lenin for being a, 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 a rich rock star who was saying it would be all right when actually it wasn't all right. Yeah. Uh, and those who wanted to adopt it to say that, see, the Beatles are saying it's all right. You don't need to take to the streets. So conservatives, liberals, radicals wanted to, to get their claws into this song. And uh, uh, this version is fantastic, actually, as, as almost like a... A, a sexy waltz, and it it, uh, it it fuses Lenin's politics of sex with his politics of change, and, uh, uh, you know, Count Me Out In is just a great version of his duality of, of what do I do? What do you want me to do, right? I believe both in Count Me In and Count Me Out he at the same time. You didn't want to offend anybody. War is peace, peace is love, peace is war. Exactly. You don't want to offend anybody. Tom, what would you think of this track? One of your favorites? Do you like the uh, the rock version? Uh, I think I like the rock version better. But I mean, so I Nike like got it. a hold of it. Well, <laughs> I, I I like it. I like the song. I, again, you know, a lot of times if the song itself doesn't speak to me lyrically, I'll I'll try to hear something musically. And of course, this one's really interesting. The the background vocals are, mm-hmm. are, are you know are a little corny mm-hmm. and not really sure what. 
what what they're trying to do with it just showed that they can do the same song multiple ways. If if the word revolution wasn't in there, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if this is just one of those songs that's really just a song, mm. and that people really, as you said, the left, the right, whoever's listening to it, they're interpreting it. That they think they know what it's what it is. And meanwhile, you have very seasoned musicians making an interesting recording of the song. Is it for a particular group, or is it just they're just having fun with it? Well, I find myself playing this version more on my show mm -hmm. than the 45. But when I was a kid, at three o'clock Monday through Friday, when I got out of school uh, on W M E X or RKO. They would play Hey Jude and Revolution back-to-back. -back. So you'd rush out of school at 3 o'clock to hear them play both sides of that 45. And you went from Revolution number 1 into a ditty, one of those Paul ditties, not Wild Honey Pie. It was a musical type of a thing, actually written for Linda as he tried to coax her back to London, from what I understand. George Martin inserted some scratches. Now she's hit the big time. From an old 78 record there. Amazing guitar work by John in the middle eight. And if she could only hear me, this is what I'd say. Honey pie, you are making me crazy. I'm in love, but I'm lazy. So won't you please come home? I don't know about this song. You know, it's a tough one. <laughs> I do play it on my show, but you know, it's not up there on my list. You know, uh, Chachi, it's the time of year where sports writers get to vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame. So if I was given a vote to take a song off of the White Album, this uh -huh. might have made it. All I have in my head is from the early days of cable is the film Sextet with an 80-something-year-old Mae West, and Ringo is in the film singing this song to Mae West. That's You're what I've kidding. got in my head. Oh, I you did not that. know that, I did, did you? I gotta get that audio. Yeah. Wow. And so that's the one that I... I, I if someone said, your life, or take a, uh, a song off the White Album, this is, what, this is what does it. I might have to agree with you. Tom, where, where do you stand? I always really like the song. <laughs> well, good for you. And it's... Um, well, because... It's one of those, it's, it's really well written. And it's, a, it's, even though it's from 1968, clearly trying to make it sound much older. And just like a lot of the other songs on the album, you know, it's from a particular either time period or a genre that the Beatles may or may not have played before. This is a little, little more so than When I'm 64, but it falls in that category. When mm -hmm. I'm 64, your mother should know. Sure. Um, you know, and later at Paul McCartney, uh, you gave me the answer. You know, these these are songs with a similar sensibility. Uh, this song in particular, it even has the the intro. You know, that you never hear again that leads into the the first verse, mm -hmm. which is really a, a refrain. There's no you know. question that Paul loves music history. He loves music hall. He loves anything associated with his dad and old records mm. of Victrola, right. 78s. He loves all of that, uh, 
and and this is squarely uh, within that genre, absolutely. And um, the, even the, the scratchiness that George Martin mm. puts in, you know, it's let, let's take a let's take a step back to old time, you know, family yeah. sitting around listening to a Victrola. I can see George George and John like cringing uh, during the recording of the song. Maybe I'm wrong. Next track is uh, is a favorite of mine. It's another George one, but but mostly because I'm a big can- a fan of candy. Uh, I love chocolate, and George did a fine job of listing a bunch of different varieties of candy in a box. I think the remastered version is really great. The previous version in the mono box set, I thought it was a terrible, terrible remix, but I like the, uh, how the new Savoy Truffle sounds on the remastered version. A song, obviously, of course, I shouldn't say obviously, but maybe some people don't know, but it was written about Eric Clapton's love for candy. So uh, here we are, Savoy Truffle. It's one of my George favorites. Gentlemen. Chachi, it's also the negative fallout of the love of candy, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a tooth decay and root canal as is associated with it and the pain. And I recall one night, um, Berkeley Performance Center, uh, our friend uh, Will Lee of uh, the Fab oh, yeah. Faux, Good guy. Uh, they were doing the complete Sgt. Pepper, but they warmed up. And they use this song, Savoy Truffle. And I'm sitting there in the audience and with my wife and a lot of Berkeley students saying, oh, wow, they're really hitting it right with this. And they did a fantastic version of Savoy Truffle. And it's a great thing for uh, uh, people with musical chops to play. But it's also, you know, it's a painful song if you've ever been through uh, Root Canal. Well, let me, before, before Tom, you get involved, while Tom is talking, look up in that... St- book of yours and see if he likes the song oh he's an anti-george <laughs> fan mr mcdonald uh, mr mcdonald but tom what, do you, what are your thoughts on savoy truffle one of your favorites um well i like it um i think if we didn't know it was about uh <laughs> cavities you know you'll have to have them pull, all pulled out that's it's just it's a little intriguing if you sure. don't really know what the story is about but um i think it's it's a a minor example of how they were able to take things from England that almost sound like we should know what they're talking about because it's the same language. Sure. But they're using words, well, just like mean Mr. Mustard, he's not mean, he's cheap. Yeah. You know? Right. And so it'll have a different meaning to Americans. Savoy Truffle, we don't know. Well, Good News is the name of the Yeah, candy. I mean, you, like can't say Whitman, you can't say Whitman Sampler. Right. You know? Right. If it, if it was Whitman's, Whitman, 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 Whitman sampler or Russell Stover, just wouldn't have the same. You know, it has it has a foreignness about it. It's something. Are you implying some deficiency about British dental care, Tom? (laughs) No, that would be feeding into a cliche. Okay, I don't perpetuate those. The professor is looking up. Ian McDonald says, "Okay, the bloomin' book." (laughs) I think the first the bloomin' book. (laughs) You can learn a lot from books. Uh, the first sentence should say it all. As pointless as its predecessor, Savoy Truffle commemorates the habit of Harrison's friend Eric Clapton of gorging himself on cheap chocolates. <laughs> cheap chocolates, a key word there being cheap, uh, filling his lyric by listing most of the contents of a box of good news. Harrison got stuck 
for something to sing in the middle in the middle eight, at which point Derek Taylor helpfully mentioned the title of a contemporary film by his friend Alan Parisier, You Are What You Eat. Yes. There you go. Well, there you go. Good news, chocolate. I thought it all worked cheap, out just cheap, fine. Cheap, just like uh, well, Whitman, Whitman it'll Sampler have the, it'll have the same or uh, Fanny Farmer. Ah, exactly. Listen, I had a Reese cup on the way here. That's not cheap. Uh, don't get me going on a Hershey's box of gold, my favorite of all time oh. around the uh, holiday season. Love Hershey's there you go. pot of gold. And as we continue through side four, after this journey called the White Album, we had a playful John Lennon in a nursery rhyme-based song. Here it is. Make your mother sigh She's old enough to know better The king of marigold was in the kitchen Cooking breakfast for the queen The queen was in the parlor Playing piano for the children of the king Cry, baby, cry Make your mother sigh Cry Baby Cry, he weaves this tale of a nursery rhyme. Great song, a favorite one of mine on the White Album, John Lennon, Cry Baby Cry. Tom, where does this song lie for you? Um, I've played this song many times. You know, in your band? I, uh, yeah, you know, it was a solo and stuff. Sure. Um, you know, because it's another good acoustic guitar song. Um, interesting, again, we don't have many songs written here in America that talk about kings and queens, you know, so it clearly sounds like it's from over there, sure. you know. And uh, it there's a story, but not really sure exactly what it is, but it's mm -hmm. just kind of interesting to listen to. And he saw it, he, it, it was inspired by a TV commercial. The, yeah, by, the Cry Baby, was it Cry? Cry Baby, Bye, Make Your Mother... Make cry, Your Mother, Bye. Make Your Mother, Cry bye. Baby, yes. Cry. Yeah. Professor, where are you? What are Chachi, you, you know, I, I love this song. Um, when I was a kid, and I, and I heard it because my I had older siblings. I was the youngest in a family of four, right? Uh, four kids. And uh, when I heard it, I was also very young, and I'm watching uh, Mr. Rogers in Good King Friday, the puppet, right? And so this song resonated with me because of Good King Friday. And uh, it's a great tune. My, my students love it. They think it comes from nowhere on the album. And um, I, I, it's a great setup mm, for the song right after it, actually. And uh, it's, it's a great tale, actually. It's, it's, I think John is very winsome and very wistful in this song. And it's, uh, it's not angry. It's, uh, it's, it's very sweet. Hi, this is Chachi Lepret. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. Pod 617 can produce your podcast soup to nuts with their professional producers, dynamic on-air hosts, and radio quality equipment. They produce my show, and I couldn't be happier. Become part of a podcast community and share in our success as you become part of a professionally marketed platform. And by the way, whether you're into music, sports, comedy, business, or the Beatles, you'll find something on pod617.com to binge. Pod617.com. In pod, we trust. From pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. You're listening to Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrade. Well, the next three songs set up each other, and maybe this 
should have been a snippet on Abbey Road. I don't know, but it was this little thing you heard in between the two. Play it, David Wise. Right? Can you take me back where I came from? Can you take me back? Can you take me back where I came from? Brahma, can you take me back? Can you take me back? Can you take me where I came from? Can you take me back? Yes. Chachi, that it's great. It, it always t- it always reminds me of something that, like in the '80s, Robbie Robertson would give us yes. for his Native American heritage. Yes. Right? It's a great sort of like uh, lead into that, and it's very mystical. And I'm thinking of like a a, a, a ghost dancer or Wovoka, whatever Robbie Robertson was doing at that point on his great solo album. And uh, it's mysterious, and it's on it's non credited, and that's what gives it its power. You know, in a lot of ways. I love it. I love it. I loved it too. Tom? Yeah. I I don't know if I wanted it to keep going on or just stay just like <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it's perfect the way right. it is. Right. And then it leads up to this next track. Mm. I think uh, probably the first avant-garde audio piece, masterfully done for the very first time by John Lennon, certainly inspired by Yoko, I would say. And I remember when we used to play it, <laughs> me and my friends... We would uh, sit in a room and shut the lights off, and we would play this at night and smoke pot. Number nine, 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 number nine. I always like when what Yoko says, he'd become naked, and then George says, El Dorado, gentlemen. What do you think of the, the twist? The twist to Watusi. The Watusi. Um, it is the, uh, it's the most widely distributed version or artifact of the avant-garde that 30 million some odd people own. Uh, they may not know what to do with seeing a Jackson Pollock or a Warhol or a Rauschenberg or any of the type of experimental art in front of them, but they, they own... Revolution number nine, and uh, uh, <laughs> my students, some of them uh, are frightened when they hear it. They're frightened. They don't. They don't understand what we call the uh, uh, well. A critic has called the schizoflow of modern media that it's just washing over them, and they don't know how to make sense of it. And that the Beatles are pushing your sensibility of what do you do with all of this sensory information pumped at you? How do you make sense of it or not make sense of it? Yeah, when I was in college, there was a lot of sitting around in a darkened room, drinking a lot of cheap Black Tower wine, and then Matus. not knowing what to do with Matus it. Matus Rosé. Uh, Matus Blue Nun, <laughs> anything that was cheap at the liquor store in Copley Square. And we go back to the room and, and uh, ponder this stuff. And uh, and it's a great break from it. And it uh, it's uh, what the critics would say. It's postmodern. It's collage. Our friend Ian McDonald uh, references Richard Hamilton, references John Cage, uh, who gave us 12 minutes of silence on a record and called it art. Stockhausen, who McCartney was into really uh, heavily, this experimental music. And, uh, you know, George Martin wouldn't have wanted it on there, but uh, the Beatles have some input into it, and uh, it's experimental. Yoko's part of it because of her, her history as a performance artist in New York and, and being underground. 
But, you know, McCarty was also into that. John would never have met Yoko if not for Paul. Right. That that great bridge between the two. And, you know, it's funny, it's fun, it's dark, it's scary. I don't uh, know if it's yeah. funny. It freaked it freaked me out when I was, <laughs> you go. When I was in the fifth grade. It's well, still freaking me out now, man. <laughs> you know, but, that's... but, you know, Tom, for me, <laughs> when I hear this, it's like the moment John climbed the ladder and looked in the magnifying glass and said, yes. Yes. I mean, it just kind of works for me. And of all the years I've been on the radio, 37 years on the radio as a DJ, and the Beatles show for 20, 25 years, give or take a few, I've never played this on the air. Mm. And I don't think I should ever do that. You never honored my Unless request. I'm on at midnight. <laughs> yes. Unless I'm on like three in the morning when yeah. people are in that mindset. But um, uh, your thoughts... On maybe you know what you think about the song. What the when, what, what did you feel when you first heard it? Uh, well, I did. I didn't hear hear it that often because it it would be one that I would skip over. You'd skip it oh, while yeah. you were playing. Yeah, but um, having said that, I think it certainly fits in with the rest of the album. Doesn't it though? Well, because it's yeah. it's it is adventurous. Yeah, it's very different, and this is an example of. When you run into somebody who doesn't like the Beatles, that's sometimes even more interesting than someone who does. Because if they do like the Beatles, you can understand why. Because you like the Beatles, there's plenty to like. Somebody who doesn't like the Beatles, if they were to go through the White Album, it's like, really, you, you don't see anything on this album you like? Because like, everything is there. Yeah. And if you don't like them at that point, if you don't like any of it, you're trying not to. You know, you don't like them for another reason, not because of the songs or the recordings. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's it's it's you, interesting. You, uh, someone referenced that before with like, um, if you don't like the Beatles, it's, it's as if you are lighting up a cigarette under a no smoking sign because you have to not like something, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Revolution Nine is, uh, you know, I. I after it came out, I think of you know, Barney on the Simpsons, Revolution, you know, number eight burping, number eight burping in the B-Sharps episode. Uh, but, you know, once the uh, once the Simpsons get to parody you, then it's worth doing. You know, I, uh, Nirvana said they were nothing until Weird Al did Smells Like Nirvana, right? Then they appreciated that. You have to be parodied like that. And, you know, number nine is that ultimate access point of whether or not you are hip enough to cross into the avant-garde or you it's your one moment to excuse the Beatles for not being the ultimate of what you love mm-hmm. and therefore you love them more. Well, I will tell you, um, I'm one of the, and I don't know about any of you gentlemen here, but I'm one of the few people that love the Sometime in New York City album. <laughs> so uh, I loved everything John did and I, I just I went along for the ride and I certainly did with Revolution Number no. 9. The voice repeating Number no. 9 was taken from a Royal Academy of Music examination tape. And everything else in there, and certainly you have The Burning Car, another reference to uh, the accident that Paul was dead. And uh, we didn't even talk about Miss Him, Miss Him. That's planted in between uh, love the Lovemaking going on yes. in that song as well. Yes. We got David's uh, reference here. is in danger of growing stale. I'm taking it to strange new places. Number eight. Uh, Number eight. uh, Number eight. Oh, gee. So here we are, gentlemen. What a journey we've taken. Uh, We've had two episodes on the White Album, and now we approach the final song. And I think it's a perfect ending. 
I think it's a, it's a spectacular song. Certainly the versions that are on the new remastered album are spectacular. John wrote this song to help put Julian to sleep. And then not long after that, he left Cynthia and Julian for Yoko. And he told George Martin he wanted, to sound like, he wanted the song to sound Hollywood. And Ringo sang it. And I just love this song. And I love playing it on my show at any hour of the day. It's Ringo with Goodnight. Now it's time to say. song great way to end the white album an amazing release 50 years later you gentlemen believe it's 50 years since this album came out chachi this is uh ringo in his full conductor shining time station mode uh i love the bit from the anthology where he does the preamble yes. uh, it's time to go to, you've had a long day at the, the park you've day. had a good time and it's time to go to sleep and so when I'd be there on the living room floor, at that point we had moved for all the way from Rehoboth to Dighton, about a five-minute ride, and I'm on the floor of the living room with the headphones, and this song comes on, and I, you know, my dad will come through there around two in the morning. What are you doing here? Go to bed, because I fall, I fell asleep to the song. Right? It's, well, it's you know, you referenced perfect ending. It is, and you referenced earlier about the headphones when you were a kid, and I had the same thing going on. I had headphones, and my mother, I would listen all night and she'd yell at me for well not yell but she would be angry that I stayed up all night listening but she would say Fafangul she'd say she go said, to bed she'd say Larry <laughs> if that if the, if the plug comes out of the stereo it's gonna be so loud you're gonna wake up everybody and I'd say this is what headphones are for that's right I need to listen to the album hey why yo you yes. teacher go to sleep yeah, it's like hey you know but uh, I loved good night Tom yeah is it a well, good way to end the album perfect yes. it's a perfect way to end and uh the, the attention to detail, whether it's the album cover itself, you know, just the blank ca- canvas, ending it with Goodnight, of course, later we end Abbey Road with the end, you know, just to interrupt the ending with Her Majesty, but we end it with the end. So they certainly paid a lot of attention to detail. And also this continues the tradition of having a song for Ringo, you know, even though this is a John Lennon song, when they did with a little help from my friends, obviously if Ringo's going to be singing a song on the album, he had Don't Pass Me By on here in Octopus Garden on um, on Abbey Road. But in general, it's going to either be a cover song or they're going to have to give him one. So that's why this is, it's, it was, it's very generous of John Lennon to have Ringo sing this. Where, where else do you get Ringo ending an album but here, right? Right. And... Uh, uh, it's funny because John could get away with things, maybe with George Martin, that Paul couldn't. Paul said for yesterday, oh, I don't want all that schmaltz like Montavani. Well, here it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Now it's time to say goodnight, goodnight. Well, gentlemen, what a journey these last two episodes of exploring the new White Album, new to us with the new remastered version, but certainly it's been in our lives for 50 years. 
Uh, I appreciate all of your participation, the great Tom Kelly. Uh, Tom, please come back again. We loved having Absolutely. you here. It's yeah, and <laughs> yeah, sure. If sure. And Professor Gallant, as always, it's always good to see you. A pleasure, Chachi. And uh, mothers and fathers. Okay. If you have students that are looking for college, go to Suffolk University, take David's class. Absolutely. Uh, big boss, the man, the spiritual advisor, Mr. David Yaz. Thank you, David. Thank you, Chachi. My name's Chachi Lepred, and I host Breakfast with the Beatles on the WUMB radio network. 91.9 FM in Boston. Every Saturday morning, you can listen on the web, WUMB.org. Every Sunday morning on the Seacoast Oldie Station, 92.1971 in New Hampshire and Maine. You can listen online at seacoastoldies.com. And today's episode of Get Back to the Beatles is brought to you by Subaru of New England and Direct Tire and Auto Service. And stick around to pod617.com. There's lots of great pods on the website and on iTunes. I especially love John O'Neill's Fright Night. I've been on that once. I want to go back on it again because I love horror films. And we appreciate you tuning in and listening. Subscribe so you get us all the time. And uh, thank you all. Gentlemen, thank you. We'll be back very soon with another episode of Get Back to the Beatles. Take care of yourself, everybody. See you soon. Make sure to check for the latest episode of Get Back to the Beatles with Chachi LaPrette at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Oh, no. Uh, license and registration, please, sir. What's the problem, officer? Uh, well, son, lots of problems. You were, you were doing 115 miles an hour in a 35 zone. You have a blown taillight and a blown headlight. Uh, about a mile back there on the road, you ran over a whole family of deer uh, and some very cute bunnies. You appear to have several kinds of illegal explosive drugs and firearms in the back seat. not to mention there's a 300-pound bearded man who's bound and gagged back there for some reason. What do you have to say for yourself, son? Uh, if you log on to pod617.com, you can listen to some great podcasts and produce one of your own. Pod617.com, huh? Okay. Have a nice day, sir. At Pod617.com, you'll find on-demand podcasts on politics, sports, music, and amazing storytelling. And Pod617.com will produce a broadcast-quality show for you to promote your business or professional service. Listen to the voices of your city and join the community. Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Oh, uh, you know what? I uh, changed my mind. You're under arrest. Aw. Oh.